You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 33. We did also have a follow-up with the doulas. So the original contract that we had with them was that they would um, you know, come to our house two times for postpartum follow-up visits, which of course, um, you know, wasn't possible now. So we did um, another Zoom meeting with them. And that felt, you know, of course, it would have been nicer to have them here in person, but it, it still felt really nice and, and kind of celebratory to do that because we had had this, you know, sort of months long uh, relationship with them where we were gearing up for the, the birth. And so it was really nice to then have that meeting where, you know, they, they met the baby over, over zoom and we just kind of um, debriefed about everything. And, you know, I, I asked them some questions just about my own postpartum care and, and they gave some advice about that, but it, it kind of felt like a little bit of a party, um, yeah. you know, a celebratory party, just getting to meet with them over zoom. Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Hey everyone, if you're listening to this anytime near the time that this goes live, I hope you're hanging in there and staying safe and healthy at home. I want to make sure you're aware that through this pandemic, Birth Matters has a page on our website with constantly updated COVID-19 resources for expectant parents. Read more details, tips, and stress management strategies over at our website at birthmattersnyc.com slash COVID-19. And know that we're constantly updating it anytime there are new resources that we think might be helpful for you. Also, Birth Matters has partnered with The Root Therapy NYC to provide an ongoing weekly support group for expectant parents. The Root Therapy is also offering a new parent support group as well as other group options. For more information, email contact at therootherapynyc.com. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Birth Matters is offering a huge discount on our online on-demand course because it's more important than ever to get equipped for the best birth possible. Our heart goes out to the families whose hospitals have canceled birth classes across the country or who are experiencing severe financial hits right now, and we don't want cost to be a barrier. You can find the promo code and sign up over at birthmattersnyc.com. Also, our regularly scheduled live group classes that are normally in person are temporarily being held on Zoom, and we're also doing virtual private sessions. So please know that you can prep for birth and parenthood in whatever format works best for you and wherever you are. Again, you can register for any of these class formats over at birthmattersnyc.com. We are interrupting the Cesarean Stories series this week to bring you a birth story that took place just a few weeks ago in March when things got real in the COVID-19 pandemic. I wanted to share it with listeners as soon as possible in case it might be helpful to those who might be giving birth during this time. When the COVID-19 pandemic starts getting real in March, Jackie and Michael try everything they can near their due date to help labor to start when their doctor wouldn't agree to induce until after her due date. A few days before her due date, Jackie is surprised when her water breaks. 
Because she sees meconium in the fluid and she was group B strep positive, they head to the hospital. They describe how both the induction and the pushing stage surprise them when it progresses more quickly than most. You'll hear the different ways that in mid-March when Jackie gave birth, hospital precautions were ramping up moment by moment. Michael shares how he ran out to grab the baby's car seat and wasn't allowed back in. They also share the ways their pediatrician office's protocols changed across their first three visits. Jackie and Michael also talk about how valuable hiring doulas was through this journey into parenthood, even when it had to be virtual support for the actual labor. Now let's jump in. Welcome to the Birth Matters Podcast. Today I have with me Jackie and Michael. Welcome, you guys. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. (laughs) So would you like to share with the listeners maybe what you do for a living and and maybe even before that, when did you give birth? It was recently. (laughs) Sure. Um, so Tara was born uh, March 17th, which um, is, so his three-week birthday will be this coming Tuesday. So he's about two and a half weeks. Um, and uh, we are both lecturers. We both teach writing to college students and we're also writers. No, that's, that's good. That's who we are. Yeah. Great. And we are recording this um, Uh, what, like three weeks into people starting to do social distancing and staying at home uh, amidst this pandemic. So my heart goes out to you guys and all the expectant parents and new parents out there, particularly in this challenging time. Definitely affected us. So we'll talk about that. Sure. Well, so first, why don't you share a little bit about the different, uh, how did your pregnancy go and the different ways that you might have prepared for birth and and your entry into parenthood? Okay. Yeah. Um, So I guess one of the main things that we did to prepare, um, you know, as teachers, we are always uh, believers in education. So we signed up for a lot of classes and did a lot of research. Um, the the first thing that we did, I mean, I guess just to back up for a second, we, or at least I came to pregnancy um, with a lot of fear. I was really afraid of um, the labor and the birth process and being a new parent and, and even the pregnancy to some extent. So um, there was a lot of, you know, researching, just Googling things and, and all that from the beginning. Um, but I think a turning point was when um, we made the decision to hire doulas. And mm-hmm. so yeah. um, we did some research about that, of course. And um, we interviewed a few different people um, mm-hmm. and diff- people from um, different agencies and organizations. Um, but what ended up happening is that... Um, we signed a contract with Rachel Franzen and Corey Krish. They are with the New York City Doula Collective. Um, and when we met with them, um, there, it just was like, we just clicked. It was just a moment when it suddenly felt like, okay, we can do this. We're, we're yeah. going to be able to yeah. get through the pregnancy and the labor and everything. So they just um, were so warm and knowledgeable and, non-judgmental. I think part of my fear was um, just about 
people having their own agendas that they would force onto us mm -hmm. as as parents and you know deciding what we should do without thinking about what we might want or what might be best for us and i think when we met with rachel and corey they just um mm -hmm. They, there was no judgment. There was just knowledge and compassion that, that they shared with us. Like whenever we had a question or something that we were unsure about, they gave us their opinion. But more importantly, I think they, they directed us toward resources. Like yeah, yeah. The circumcision thing. Right. So, um, I mean, I think one aspect about choosing the doula is that they were um, – highly experienced they each had a couple hundred births under their belt so whatever sort of um, factor that we were interested in discussing they had had experience with that kind of um, pregnancy that kind of birth that, you know so um the it was very reassuring to sort of have that kind of knowledge on your side um as Jackie said, they gave us, you know, whenever we had questions, rather than saying, okay, this is what you should do or shouldn't do, uh, they would give us resources for us to, you know, read and uh, decide for ourselves and, you know, discuss with them, but ultimately decide for ourselves. For example, circumcision was a uh, question that we had, um, and they, uh, you know, provided us um a resource that was uh, very thorough, talking about the um, uh, sort of why it's been done historically. And that really helped us make our decision to um, not get Taro circumcised. Yeah. Do you mind my asking, was that evidence-based birth? Yeah, that's what I was And that just came out over the summer. I've been so thankful to have that resource to give to my clients. That is a great, yeah, that is a great page. Yeah. But yeah, and I think that's just one example. They just knew about yeah. resources that, that obviously we didn't, yeah. that they were able to, to point us to. There, there was only one thing that they, they had an opinion on that they said you definitely should do, which is not to have them be bathed uh, in the hospital. Immediately yeah, after birth, yeah, right, don't yeah, bathe so, the baby. So we, we took that advice. Yeah. And, and he actually uh, hasn't been bathed yet. Yeah. Today is the big day. Yeah, the pediatrician said today he should be bathed, yeah. so we'll yeah. see. Um, yeah, so anyway, hiring the doulas, I think, was yeah. a, a turning point. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess another thing- And they recommended uh, your class. Yeah. So they, um, one good thing about, or there's a lot of good things, but they, uh, work as a team. So that was, uh, reassuring to me originally. The idea was that, so we met with them, um, three times in during the pregnancy. Um, and the idea was they both came to each of those three meetings. And then the idea was that one of them would be present for the birth. So we had this idea that, um, you know, we would know very well the person who was there for the labor and the birth, um, you know, as opposed to a doula who maybe works by themselves if they had another client that ended up 
having labor at the same time, you might get a backup that you'd never met, but we felt close to both of them mm. and knew them really well. Um, so that was really nice. And uh, we signed up for a class at the hospital. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Long Island Jewish cats. Yeah, we gave birth at um, cats at Long Island Jewish. So we, we took a class there that was a one-day class, um, but... Rachel and Corey had suggested that sometimes the classes at the hospital are um, a little bit more about sort of educating you about how to be a good patient rather than educating you about what your options are or, you know, what maybe um, you can ask for or expect during birth. So they recommended your class, Lisa. Um, and so obviously we took that and, um, it worked out really well because I, yeah. think, I think the hospital class was good because we did learn about the hospital procedures and sort of what they expected from the hospital class. Yeah. Um, and that was probably about a month before we took Lisa's class. Yeah. Yeah. We were, um, when we took the hospital class, which was a very institutional sort of formal, you know, one day class, uh, we were the, um, we were the farthest we were the farthest from the uh, due date in the yeah. class um, uh, but then when we took your class we were the closest to the due date so like yeah. I, I think that you know every just um, that an, worked out for the best yeah yeah true. we we couldn't remember a lot of the information that we learned at the hospital class afterwards and then um, a lot of that was reviewed but also enhanced i yeah. think in lisa's yeah. class where it you know yeah. it was spread out over three meetings and it was personal and yeah. you know it just gave us um a good refresher of the information but yeah. also we went more in depth and learned a lot more about um possibilities yeah possibilities and, yeah. rather than okay this is the way things are done in this institution you know this is what you can expect will happen when you come into this institution Versus yeah. the possibilities, you know, right, these are right. things that could happen. So, yeah, my three favorite things from uh, Lisa's class, um, not in any particular order, but the massage techniques, those were <laughs> yeah. really, really helpful because, yeah. um, especially at the end of the pregnancy, but really for a long part of the pregnancy, my back was a constant issue. I always had back pain. So the massage techniques... The catwalk alleviate yeah, that, catwalk. yeah. So that was really good. Um, also, the um, diapering session when you taught us about how to change diapers <laughs> yeah, was yeah, really yeah. helpful. Yeah, um, our yeah. baby does not like having his diaper changed, but he's he's getting better. But it's good to well, we're getting better. Yeah, we're getting better too. But also, I think you know we're we had some like knowledge to be able to do it quickly because of the mm -hmm. class. So that was good. Um, and then the, the other thing, um, this was just something that you very briefly mentioned in the class, but, uh, really helped me, um, with the fear and I didn't end up needing to use this, but, um, you had said during your class that if at any point during labor or delivery, um, a, a doctor or a nurse or anyone, um, was doing something that, you know, I didn't feel comfortable with or didn't want, you gave the suggestion of just kind of loudly stating, I do not consent. And um, I just had this fear that they would perform an episiotomy on me. Um, and so just 
knowing that I had that sort of option to just, you know, forcefully say I do not consent made me less fearful. And I didn't end up needing to, to say that at the hospital or, you know, at any time, but just knowing that. Um, yeah, yeah, the was, agency. Yeah, yeah, that just made me feel a lot better that I could do that if I needed to. So that was really helpful. Thank you for that feedback because that's actually a slide I just recently added. I did it with a lot of hesitation because I was concerned that it would scare people, you know, um, and maybe it does some but I just know that in certain circumstances, it might be needed. So I just decided I, I needed to include it. So I appreciate that feedback. I'm glad it helped you feel more confident and peaceful. Yeah. Do you want to add anything else about the class? Uh, well, we got, a, we, we, got a, we got some of the uh, items that you actually recommend. And uh, like we got a birthing ball. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, 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 for the postpartum, we got some of those items. Yeah, the uh, items. Bottle, yeah, yeah, so um, just there were, there's all these bits and pieces that just turned out to be, you know, like we, it would have taken us much longer to figure out what to do on our own. So yeah, um, yeah thank you for, <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely. expediting that knowledge. Yeah. It's my pleasure. <laughs> All right. So any other things you wanted to share about pregnancy and ways you prepared? Or if not, you can launch into the birth story. Well, I think this is kind of um, related. Um, so obviously, given the, the, the time that we're living in, the historical context, the coronavirus became this... Thing. Yeah, so our due date was March 21st, and right. when did uh, when did the city get shut down? Like, just a uh, few days before yeah. that. Yeah, so, so I mean, the, throughout, of course, you know, earlier on in the pregnancy, we, um, you know, we just had expectations that we would have um, help if we needed it, and, you know, we just had no idea what the, what the would world be present, would become, you know, um, you know by the time that the delivery happened. So um, things changed really quickly. And during the time that we were sort of waiting for labor to begin was the time that the virus was really, it seemed like every hour, if you check the news, there was more alarming information and it just became this really, really frightening time. Yeah. I think in the world, in New York City in general, but then of course, adding the waiting to go into the hospital to it yeah. made it much worse. Yeah, I mean, there, so. there, there was a moment, uh, I mean, the doula sent us an email saying that many of the hospitals were no longer allowing more than one support person. Some were actually starting to not allow any support person. Um, uh, yeah. So our, um, it sort of became um, important to us to try to get in and out of the hospital as soon as we could. Well, we, we just didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, but and we kept, I guess like one of the catchphrases, and it seems crazy that this was only three weeks ago, but one of the catchphrases at that time was, it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> we kept on hearing that. So we really wanted to get into and out of the hospital yeah. as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, anytime you talk to anybody who's ever been pregnant and, and had a baby at the end of pregnancy, you're sort of just eager for it to be over and, and you want to meet the baby. But I think that was yeah. so heightened by our fear yeah. about, you know, what, 
you know, are, are we going to catch the virus? What's going to be the protocol in the hospital, all that. So we became really interested in trying to speed, speed up, things speed up. up the, yeah. um, so we did a couple of things to do that. So um, first we, of all, uh, we, yeah, we, uh, we spoke to our doulas about possibly, um, well, first of all, we had, we had read that, you know, first, uh, a first pregnancy actually usually comes later right, after usually, the due date. Right. And uh, we were trying to get the, uh, our doc, our, our doctors to, um, you know, do some induction techniques earlier so to, to expedite the process yeah, but they but wouldn't, they, they, wouldn't. Um, um, they said we will schedule an induction when you reach week 41 right right yeah and so i mean that so that that was really scary given what was happening with the virus yeah with the virus yeah. so um we asked the girl about things we could do ourselves to try to um Right. And so there's all kinds of information yeah. about things that you can do. And, yeah. and you know, Lisa's class touched on that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I guess there are two things that we pursued um, yeah. quite seriously. The, so the first one was acupuncture. Um, so I had five I acupuncture, four, four or five sessions, yeah. acupuncture sessions. Um, we went to Dr. Moon right here in Astoria. Um, and I, you know, the purpose of the act, I had had acupuncture, um, before, um, long before the pregnancy, but, um, hadn't had it in a while. And the the purpose of these sessions was specifically to ready the body and, you know, try to bring about labor. Um, so I was going, I guess I went twice a week, starting two and a half weeks, 37. Yeah. Starting at the end of week or the second half of week 37, um, and so I went, you know, I guess twice a week for two yeah. and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the acupuncture, it, it was so funny that every time, like when I would leave acupuncture, I would think, you know, I can feel all these things happening inside of my body. The baby's moving a lot. You know, this is definitely going to work. Something's going to happen. And then, you know, by the next day I would be like, oh, I don't think acupuncture works. But <laughs> I kept going. I went for either four or five sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what ended up happening, um, it was Monday, March 16th. Um, I had my 39 week appointment with the obstetrician and, um, went in and, um, you know, was really concerned about the virus at that time. Um, and the doctor, um, we had a, um, an appointment the week before at 38, we visit and we were saying, oh, we're really concerned about the virus the yeah. doctor had kind of dismissed our concerns. yeah during 38 weeks yeah. and then 39 weeks kind same, of the same, same thing, thing happened, happened. that you know we we asked about you know is there any way to schedule an induction because we want to get into and out of the hospital and you know the doctor said no um and i also had a cervical check at that visit which was again monday march 16th 16th, and the doctor said you know there's no progress it doesn't seem like you're very close to labor um at which point i cried we went home and i was crying in the car on the way home the whole time just you know feeling overwhelmed by fear and anxiety about the virus and the hospital and all that um and so what we decided to do then was try um 
the midwives brew, which is a concoction where I think the the key ingredient is castor oil. So um, we watched the evidence-based birth video about this and, um, you know, Lisa had talked about in her class too. And a lot of people say, um, you know, castor oil does seem to be effective, but it has some terrible side effects. (laughs) Um, But at this point I was just kind of really you know, ready to just, however bad it was going to be, I just wanted to do it. Um, So that was on Monday. I took the midwives brew, which um, you can find the recipe for it online, but it was almond butter, uh, lemon tea, uh, some juice and castor oil. um, And you mix it in the blender. um, And it's kind of like a smoothie. Um, and it, you're supposed to, the the internet says, you know, um, to drink it warm that if it's cold, it's not as effective. So it's a warm smoothie. It's not very good at all. Um, but it was drinkable. Um, so I got it down. I finished drinking that at 1.46 in the afternoon on Monday. March 16th. Yeah. After after a, sur- a uh, cervical check that had n- that no said, dilation, yeah. no progress. Right, whatsoever. right. Um, and so then that night we had um, another emergency Zoom call with the doulas. I shouldn't say emergency, but an added just because of everything that was going on, you know, um, Rachel and Corey had offered to, you know, just talk for some extra support. And so we took them up on that offer and, you know, kind of talked to them about the frustrations and, you know, we don't know if the pregnancy is ever going to result in a birth and and all of that. Um, So, you know, they, they were very supportive and um, we, we talked with them and at that point it had become clear that we were not going to be able to have in person support of one of them because the hospital rules had changed that only one support person was allowed. So that was going to be you. Um, So we just talked to them about the logistics of, them supporting, um, you know, from a distance. So, um, we had planned to, you know, I guess zoom. With yeah. Them. Have zoom, have um, a laptop in the delivery. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So we, we just talked about the logistics of that and that was sort of the plan. Um, and we hung up with them probably at like 9 PM Monday night. Yeah. Um, and, and at this point you had had no side effects from the yeah that the, yeah group. that's right yeah so i i had finished the midwives group just a little bit before 2 p.m and felt like okay another thing that didn't really work nothing really came of it um so we no nausea no no nausea um no diarrhea i had a, a bowel movement but i was having those very regularly at the end of the pregnancy anyway so it just felt like nothing um you know, no, yeah, no results. So we'll see. Um, and then we hung up with the doulas about nine and kind of went to bed, just you know, expecting thinking, nothing. Expecting nothing, yeah. And um, about twelve thirty that night, I woke up and my water had broken, um, which I was just in total disbelief about because we had you know heard and read and everybody says you know it's not very often that that's how labor begins is that your water breaks. And so didn't expect it. Um, but I, I woke up thinking I just had to go to the bathroom and I went to the bathroom and I was all wet and I just started shaking because I was realizing, Oh my God, the water broke. I can't, 
believe this. And I was also thinking, I'm actually really tired and I'd kind of rather go back to bed and sleep and not, not deal with this right now. Um, there was meconium. Yeah, there. right. Yeah. So I guess I, I came back to bed and told you, you have to wake up yeah, because the water broke. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, there was meconium in it. it. It was sort of a grayish color. So that was a little bit concerning. Um, so I guess the first thing that we did was contact Corey and Rachel. So even before we called the doctor. So um, at that point, Rachel, um, we were text messaging and then Rachel called and, you know, I sort of described the situation to her and she was like, yes, your water definitely broke. There's definitely meconium in it. And she said, you know, call, call your doctor um, and they're going to have you come to the hospital. uh, But you know, don't, don't rush. Right. Like she, she, that was really great advice that she gave. She was like, you know, you can take a shower, eat something, um, you know, take your time, get to the hospital, but it's not, you know, like in the movies where you have to almost have a car accident getting to the hospital. Um, so that's what we did called the hospital. They said to come in. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we got to the hospital around, so we took our time. We had already, you know, had a backpack, but we, you know, put in more clothes, put in more Last minute things. items. Um, I did eat. I did take a shower. Yeah. Um, and, and I was not having any contractions or anything at that point. So um, I think, you know, it was easy to take our time and to yeah. sort of let it sink in. Like, okay, it's finally happening. Yeah. You know, labor is going to begin. So we left the house about two thirty in the morning. About two yeah. So one, later, one great, yeah. So with the timing and with the uh, social distancing that was already in place at that point, no, there was no traffic. No. So, I mean, we had been a little, a little worried about like, uh, what's the drive to hospital going to be like? And it was, um, I get, you know, I guess one of the benefits of having of the time. Yeah. Was there, was well, no, yeah. One no of the problem. things that you were worried about was taking that left yeah, out of, off yeah. of our street. Um, yeah. there's just a, a bad intersection where there's With not no, a light or a stop yeah. sign and, um, you were always worried yeah. about taking that first left yeah. on the way to the hospital, but it was a non-issue because yeah. it's in the middle of the night with nobody on the road. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got to the hospital about three, three thirty, which, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and at that point, I guess we were like texting and calling Rachel yeah. and she was offering support, um, and saying, you know, just giving us ideas about like things to keep in mind and, and stuff like that. Um, so we got to the hospital and um there was nobody there there was nobody there it was um yeah so we got we were brought through triage um and they did another cervical exam and they said that i was half a centimeter centimeter dilated and what did they say about a face do you remember no, I don't remember. I don't know, but yeah, so like it was. Or yeah, it's still um, contractions had not begun, and um, you know, it still seemed like it. it yeah, this is around five in the morning. A long process, yeah. maybe not that late, but yeah, it's it's like three, four, five in the morning. Um, but uh, they were because the water had broken. There was meconium in it, and I was GBS positive. They you know, said that they were going to induce, which was totally fine by me. Um, so you're like, that's what I've been asking for. (laughs) 
exactly. Yeah. Um, so they they brought us to oh, the, a horrible room. Yeah, th- this was the the low point of oh, the experience. Um, they brought us the to induction the induction room, which was um, at this point it's yeah like five, six, seven in the morning. The, yeah, there are a couple hours. Um, so it was a very dark, small room where. Um, there was a curtain separating us from another couple and another woman who was, you know, going through the induction process. Um, so that just, it just felt like we were too close. Yeah. And Oh yeah. I've heard tales of this induction room. I haven't worked there as a doula in that part of the hospital, but I, Oh we were, yeah. When we remember like, so, that was the room of hell. And so they, they were like, okay, we're going to give you side attack. Uh, and we're going to give you doses every two hours, um, pass over a nine doses over a period of every two hours. Yeah. So it potentially could have been eighteen hours in the induction room. They they were like, yeah. you could be here in this horrible room, <laughs> like eighteen hours. Yeah, and they well they said that um, hopefully labor would begin within 24 to 72 hours after, you know, starting yeah, the induction process. And so they, they suggested that we kind of settle in. Um, <laughs> so psychologically we were like trying to prepare for that. Um, but I took the first dose. Yeah, first dose. Um, and I would say about seven in the morning. Yeah. And it seems like it was 15 minutes later that, contractions began very, very strongly. So um, there, you know, had been a lot of thought and preparation um, leading up to the labor about, um, you know, laboring at home in the beginning and, you know, kind of using comfort techniques in the beginning and and breathing into the, the pain and, you know, just being with it. Um, but all of that sort of went out the window when the contractions began because um, they were just really strong, really fast. Um, and then everything started happening really, really quickly. So um, the nurse came and she was like, well, you know, you, you only just started taking the medication. So it's going to be a long time before you are in active labor. So maybe you need some morphine to, you know, deal with the pain. And I was thinking, well, why am I dealing with this pain so poorly? Um, Because I could hear the other woman in the induction room on the other side of the curtain. And it became clear that she had been there for eight hours. And, you know, she was not having, I guess, any progress. And, you know, she was fairly quiet. And I got to this point where I was just in such excruciating pain that I was, you know, not very quiet. Um, And so then the nurse had suggested morphine, and then said that she was going to, you know, call the doctor to see what the doctor thought. And so a doctor came and they checked. Yeah, and the, it was. They said I was between four and five centimeters dilated already. And that it was time for the epidural. Yeah. So, I mean, in my my experience, it seemed like only twenty minutes or so had passed, but it was longer than that. Yeah. But only a, a very few hours. Yeah, the the contractions went from um, it went from no contractions to every five minutes or or quicker. It, there yeah. was no there was no time between contractions. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's bizarre how how differently different people's bodies take to these different medications and, and induction approaches. Some it like hits fast and then others it can take a day or more to feel anything. Right. right. So, and we had definitely, I think, kind of tried to prepare for that, that long process, but it was so fast. Um, so then I was, you know, I was in quite a bit of pain. I, they, they say that, you know, when you're induced that the contractions are stronger. So maybe that was part of it, but, um, I had always been very open to having a medicated birth. So I was, um, pretty eager to get the epidural at that point. And it seemed like it took forever for the anesthesiologist to come and do that. But, um, then finally, um, they came and I was having a lot of trouble not moving. Um, like the, the pain and, and the feeling of the contractions was just so intense um, that it was really difficult for me not to move and, and try to find some relief. Um, and then they, they said, well, you know, really at this point, you're so far dilated. Uh, you should have had your epidural half an hour ago. And, um, you know, if you're not able to stay still, don't worry, we won't give you the epidural because, you know, we would never put you in danger. Um, and you don't need the epidural. You'll, you'll be able to handle this without it. And at that point I was like, there is no way I'm going to move because I'm going to stay still and get this epidural. Um, so I did. And what time was that? So they Just were they know. were going to do it in the induction room because things were proceeding so quickly. But but a room, but a labor and delivery room opened up, and so right. So we then were they moved me quickly. And I, I moved the stuff, you know, yeah. all our stuff into the. So what time room. was it when I got the epidural? Maybe like ten in the morning. Yeah. So Something so maybe like I think it was a little bit before that. Maybe yeah. But I I know we sort of settled into a labor and delivery room about ten, and um, at that point things became quite peaceful. So we we got our own room, and they kind of um, you know I got the epidural, so I was feeling a lot more comfortable, and they settled us, and then we were alone in that room for a little while, and they had suggested you know, try to rest now. Um, you know, once the, the pushing phase begins, you're going to need your energy. So, you know, try to take a nap. And again, I think mentally and psychologically, we were prepared to kind of settle in and take a long break. Um, when we first got to the room, there had been another cervical check and that point it was like, okay, now you're at six to seven. So things are proceeding you know, like, uh, you know, a centimeter or centimeter and a half per hour. So we were like, okay, we thought that there was going to be a, not, a bit of a pause at this point. Right. Um, and then I remember they, they came in, you're slumping. They came in at one point um, a little bit later and said, um, and, and I asked, you know, so do you think that the baby will be born today? And they were like, definitely your baby will be born today. <laughs> um, and so then um, about 12. Yeah, we still hadn't seen our doctor yet. Yeah, we, we hadn't seen our doctor yet. Um, but I guess about 12, they came in and checked and said, well, you are now fully dilated and it's, it's time, time to, to push. push. <laughs> so we'll get your doctor. And I was just in complete disbelief because you know, because of the epidural, I yeah. was feeling fairly comfortable. 
Um, and I just felt like no time had passed. And I was like, I, I need to take a nap before <laughs> I can do this. It's not time. Um, but they said it was. Yeah, it went from a half centimeter. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it went from a half centimeter at I think the seven a.m. exam to fully dilated in like just a few hours a by few by hours. noon. It was yeah. fully dilated. It was yeah. so fast. And then our doctor, we still didn't know who the doctor was going to be because our practice had seven doctors, and it was whoever it was whoever was on call. Whoever and was on call um, yeah, we had you know there were some doctors um, that we. Uh, really liked more than others there was one we really liked yeah there there were several that were you know fine but there was one doctor that we really really liked and then there were a few that we were really hoping it would not be and um at some point around noon or a little bit before that we found out that it was going to be the the best doctor our favorite doctor yeah we were like yes dr mercer we're so happy yeah Yeah. and then you know she came in and she was like oh i'm so glad that i get to be the doctor for you guys and we're like we're so glad so that was like this triumphant moment um so yeah that was about noon and then you know, they, they got set up and they got ready and did some practice um, pushes. Yeah. Well, and, but, but before that, one of the things that was really shocking for me, Dr. Mercer was like, Oh, um, you know, I can, I can see your baby's hair. Do you want to feel it? And I just, that was really amazing. So yeah, she, you know, sort of like guided me to be able to, to touch his hair that was poking out a little bit and was like, okay, now it's, it's time to push. And so I started pushing it. 1240 and he was born at 103 which was another huge shock i mean obviously at that time i wasn't watching the clock and i didn't realize how fast it was um but yeah so dr mercer was like this great coach and you know i I just it never would have been so fast if it had been a different doctor but we just felt really good with her yeah when she had first come in she said oh okay uh, it's going to be any anywhere between half an hour and three hours, but since it's the first birth, it's going to tend to be longer. Yeah, that was what the nurse had said. Yeah, yeah. so we had asked about how long the they thought that the pushing phase would last. And again, you know, for the last time, I guess we sort of started preparing for like, okay, this could be a while, you know, <laughs> yeah. we got to be patient here. Yeah. Um, that, you know, it might be closer to three hours because I had never given birth before. Um, but it ended up being 23 minutes, which we, you know, found out yeah. after, after he was born. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know how it was so fast. I guess he was really ready and we were really ready. So, um, yeah, he was born at one Oh three. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that was so, um, there were, you know, there were a few things we had learned, like uh, try to delay the cord clamping, but uh, because of the uh, meconium. Well, yeah. So there was a lot of meconium um, in in the fluid, and also um, when he did come out, you know, of course they were monitoring his heart rate and everything, and his breathing was a little bit fast. So when he came out, they did. Um, place him on me, but only for a very short time. Um, And, you know, during 
the, or I guess before the pushing, they had said, um, you know, because of all the meconium, um, we are going to have the pediatricians here in the room um, so that when he's born, you know, if, if, if in case of anything, they're, they're right here and they can monitor him. Um, so the pediatricians were there and when he came out, um, they, you know, you kind of, yeah, they were the like, you have to cut quickly. the cord immediately. Uh, they, they, they put placed him on, him on me for a few seconds and then a they, minute at most. there was a, um, there was sort of, um, another, uh, the, the pediatric team took him to the side and were began examining him immediately. Um, yeah, they gave him some oxygen. Yeah. Um, so he, he wasn't taken out of the room, um, but he was sort of off to the side. Under a heat lamp. Um, with this team of doctors. And that, that was really scary. So at that point, you had gone over and you were sort of with him and, and watching what was going on with him and with the doctors. Um, and I was getting stitched up um, because I had some tearing. And I just that was really scary. So I was, you know, trying to like look over to the side and see what was going on with him. And there was talk that he might need to go to the NICU. And, um, you know, I was like, is he breathing? Okay. What's going on over there? Um, but it ended up being okay. Yeah. He never, yeah. They, they did a few checks, um, in the next couple hours and it was okay. He never had to go to NICU. Yeah. So um, they, yeah, they said that he was okay at that yeah. time. And then they were like, we're going to come back in half an hour to check him again. And it ended up being mm. that, um, you know, he didn't need to go to the NICU and everything was okay. But that was, that was scary. He did uh, pass his first standardized test with flying colors. Oh, yeah, was that car? 9.9 yeah. out of 10. Yeah. So so that bodes kind of- well for his academic future. I love how you call it standardized. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it was good in yeah. that department. So he, yeah, so we were, he, he never left us. Uh, and then after another couple of hours, a, a room opened up in the um, yeah, postpartum, the postpartum room. room and we were, uh, you know, moved to another room. Yeah. And then, um, you know. At, at that point, we were like, we need to try to get out of the hospital as soon as possible. Yeah, so, so we had, um, before Dr. Mercer left after the delivery, um, you know, I asked her about that and she said that um, she didn't think that that would be a problem, that, you know, we would both be monitored, but that she thought we would probably be able to um, get out of the hospital a day early because of, you know, the virus and everything. So, um, yeah, we went to a postpartum room and... Um, then, you know, people were in and out of the room, nurses yeah. and doctors and stuff, but um, it was pretty much just the three of us, and mm-hmm. we stayed overnight, and then... Um, the ward, the, the, and the wards were a lot more empty because you could only have one person with you, so there weren't a lot of, like, you know, just people milling around. Yeah, everyone, everyone you, you always had to wear a mask. Um, I was going to ask about that. You guys gave birth early enough in this whole pandemic process that I was curious as to whether the all the labor and delivery and postpartum um, hospital staff were wearing PPAE because so they were. Oh, they were. Okay. Wearing masks, they not were masks. face shield, yeah. not like mm-hmm. um, they were wearing masks and gloves. And um, everybody had to wear they, masks. Yeah, yeah, as soon as we got to the hospital, um, you know, before 
labor began in the beginning, um, like when we walked to the security desk at the front of the hospital, the first thing they did was like, tell us to put on a mask. Um, and we, so we were supposed to be wearing masks the entire time, but when I was having the contractions and then during the pushing, I just felt like I could not wear a mask. Like I needed as much air as I could get. Um, so I kept ripping my mask off and they kept telling me, put my mask back on. Oh, I can't even imagine having to wear that during contractions. I keep thinking about that. I'm like, oh, that must just be the worst kind of torture. They did eventually, they kind of were lenient with me. Like in the beginning, they kept telling me to put it back on. But then I think, you know, once it got to a certain point, they they kind of understood. And so I was the only person not wearing a mask. (laughs) Don't blame me one bit. Were you restricted to... Well, at first you were in the induction room that was shared. Did you have to stay in there? Like, Michael, could you go grab something to drink or to eat? Or did you have to stay in the room? And then same once you moved to postpartum as well as your labor and delivery room? I don't know, like, what would have happened if we had left the room, but we didn't leave the room. Yeah, Um, things just were happening so quickly. uh, Oh, and also, like, with the, you know, things were happening so quickly that we were not actually able to set up like a like a zoom feed with our doula i was going to ask about that we were texting with them but like there was just not like things were happening so quickly that there was just not a time to like you know settle down let's set this off let's you know get a conversation going it was just one thing happening right after the other yeah Um, yeah like i remember at one point after i had the epidural you asked you know do you want to um with Rachel and I was like yeah but like let me just rest for a minute before we do that and then that two was minutes the later last, the pushing was something. yeah and then that was the last time we talked about that but you were texting with her a yeah, little bit yeah. and she was giving some yeah. pointers and yeah. stuff like that but um, yeah it, just, it was so funny how it ended up you know having just having her availability yeah. um, and her support even though she didn't end up being there still made a world yeah. of difference but it was, I was sad after it was all over that she wasn't there yeah. even on Zoom, but it just, you know, it just worked out that it didn't, things happened so fast that she wasn't. Yeah. So the, uh, so with the, yeah, with the coronavirus, so again, like the, every person when we went and we're only allowed one support person. And so the ward was actually quite empty. Um, and then the next day, so we had to be there for 24 hours. At least, yeah. So um, normal, um, you know, standard procedure, I guess, for a vaginal birth is 48 hours. But because of the virus, I think a lot of people were trying to get um, early discharge. And, so, and they wanted, the yeah. hospital wanted to get people out too. Yeah, so we had to wait 24 hours to get his yeah. newborn screen. And they came in right at 24. 1 p.m. the next day. Yeah, yeah, right on the clock, just yeah. because they were trying to get us out of there as well. Right. And, um, and then the crazy thing that happened was, um, you know, they had not um, gotten, like, the, the newborn screen, um, you know, all of the results that they needed for him to be discharged yet. Um, but we asked the nurse, you know, do you, do you think we'll be able to be discharged? Um, and she said, yes. So she had suggested that you go to the car mm-hmm. to get the carrier and, you know, to bring some of our stuff to the car. And so you went to do that on the nurse's suggestion and then you weren't allowed back in yeah, yeah. Um, because I guess they had changed the policy. Yeah, they were. The time. Yeah. So I went to go get the car seat 
And uh, when I came back, they were putting up like signs on the door saying absolutely no visitors. So I went in and said, well, I, I just left a few moments ago. I just need to go back up to help carry stuff downstairs. And they're like, you can't go back up. Uh, the nurses will help her come down, will help her pack and come down with the stuff. But uh, So in the, in the sort of in the time that I left, they changed the policy. Like the nurses weren't even aware of the policy. The nurses upstairs were not aware that they had changed the policy. Right. They were like, why not just come back up with the car seat? Um, yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden it became like we were fleeing the hospital. Yeah, because so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you had called me and you were like, they're not letting me back up. And the nurse was in the room at that point and she was like, no, he has the the armband so he can just scan in and come in. And so I was telling you that and you were like, no, you don't understand, they've, they've changed it. Um, so the nurse found out because you were on the phone saying it and mm -hmm. I was you know, repeating it to her. So then it ended up that, um, I, th I think everybody just kind of became really fearful at that yeah. point, like even the nurses. So yeah. um, she was like, yeah, just, you know, get the baby dressed and get out of here. <laughs> that's basically what happened. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just like threw our last things into the, the suitcase and got him dressed. And the, the nurse, um, you know, I, I had to be uh, wheeled in a wheelchair because I was holding Taro and, uh, they they held the two nurses came and one person wheeled me and one person wheeled the suitcase and I held the baby and we went downstairs and it was really scary like the the escalation from even just a day ago was so scary so there were a lot of people um in the lobby of the hospital um a lot of them were fathers who I guess similarly yeah. had you know gone to to get something or whatever and then weren't being allowed back in um, and there was like all the security and, you know, people just kind of being really fearful. Um, and of course we had never put him into the car seat before, <laughs> um, didn't quite know how that worked. And, you know, we were just sort of like the car seat was just on the floor in the lobby of the hospital. And the nurse was like, this is how you do it. Just get the baby in the car seat. And it was like <laughs> really stressful. Yeah. And then like, yeah. we just kind of, ran out yeah. into the car and it, yeah it was really bizarre but then uh we came home and we've been, and here, we've been ever here ever since yeah except for pediatrician visits. Yeah. yeah um so yeah the the hospital situation was kind of scary but what? uh one thing that you know i guess ended up happening at, at that time they they had changed it that no visitors no support people so the you know, what they were saying was women would have to labor and deliver on their own without even, you know, yeah. a spouse or anybody there. Um, but then the city eventually yeah. said, you know, you can't do that. And, and there was, they changed well, that. Well, I don't New know. York Press, there were two systems that were like, you can't have any support people. Yeah, New York, yeah. New York Press and Mount Sinai were, yeah. yeah, two of the main ones. I think Cuomo said an executive order that you can't. Yeah. Yes. On Saturday, the 20, March 28th, I believe, is when the executive order came out saying no hospitals, you do have to let one support person in. Yeah. I, I can't so, I mean, imagine that, the people that had, had to deliver right. in that span of time. That, right. And that was one of the things, um, you know, I guess Corey, one of our doulas had 
you know, said that before, you know, the labor began or any of it for us, she had said that that might be happening, that they might be starting to say that no support people. So that was another Another thing that I was really fearful about that I really wanted to get into the hospital while at least you were still allowed because the span of time between finding out that we weren't going to be able to have the doula with us and then like finding out that maybe you wouldn't even be allowed there yeah. was only like a day or something. Yeah. And so yeah, a day just, would have made a big difference. Yeah. And it yeah. just seemed like everything was happening so quickly and we just needed to um, get into and out of the hospital and, and have the baby born. But that ended up that happening. We got yeah, in and out really fast happened. and um, everything, you know, there were some scary moments, but everything ended up being okay. I'm so thankful to hear that your timing. Yeah. Because now I'm hearing at your hospital, they're shuffling everybody around. They're, they're reconfiguring where the pregnant, the laboring people go and postpartum people go. And I haven't heard the final word on what is actually happening there, but it's all kind of in upheaval right now. Yeah, we see, yeah, we see in the press, in Cuomo's press conferences that that is one of the hospitals that's considered yeah, a it's, it's hot spot. Since I said what I just said, I just want to say that we're recording this on April 5th. So if you're listening to this in a week or whenever you listen to this and you're giving birth at their hospital, it may have changed. Because we actually, so we had to, um, we wanted the placenta and we had to go back to get it because for some reason they said that they needed to um, test me for hepatitis C in order to be able to give me the placenta. So they, they did that test, you know, right after I gave birth, but they didn't get the results. So we did actually go back to the hospital a few days later just to pick up the placenta. <laughs> and that was a really bizarre experience where um, they wouldn't even let me inside of the hospital. So I was on my phone with the nurse. Um, and she was like, you know, I'll, I'll come down and give you your placenta. So wait in the lobby. So, but the security guards wouldn't even let me into the lobby. So I was just waiting on the sidewalk with a cooler for the placenta. (laughs) And, um, then, you know, once the nurse came down, she was like, you know, you need to let her in because she needs to, you know, sign this release form and, you know, I need to talk to her for a minute. So, I luckily did not have to have the placenta given to me on the sidewalk outside the hospital, but it was right in the lobby. Um, and she, you know, she showed it to me. <laughs> it was kind of this bizarre experience. But the reason I bring this up is that the nurse at that point, which was a few days after the yeah. birth, so maybe the, I don't know, the 21st, 20, yeah. 22nd, some, something around there, um, was saying that the the policies and, and everything was changing at the hospital pretty much daily. So at that point, she was saying that they were allowing a support person again, but they hadn't been the day before. So, um, I, you know, the day before that women who gave birth would have had to do it by themselves without anybody. But then that day they were allowing um, support people. And she, I, I said, you know, how are you making the decisions? And she just kind of vaguely said, well, it's, you know, dependent on what else is going on at the hospital. I don't know if she fully knew how they were making the decisions, but um, yeah, it was just a, a really crazy time. And uh, I feel really bad for the women who had to give birth in that situation without a support person. Yeah. It's a harrowing tale. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, don't, but, I don't know. But we, we yeah. got there. We might have made it more less positive than it was. I mean, it was a beautiful experience. Yeah, no, but, I mean, we, yeah. I mean, there, there was a lot of fear yeah, because yeah. of the virus and yeah, everything, but yeah, we yeah. had, I think, as really as good of an experience as we could have had. Under the circumstances, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was the fear of the virus, but we got lucky in that the only way yeah. that it affected us yeah. was that we weren't able to have our doula with us. And then we, we got out a day early, we got early discharge, but that was not in any way um, negative to me. Mm-hmm. I was quite happy to be able to come yeah. home. I think, you know, even if, if not, not just because of fears about the virus, but just, you know, obviously more comfortable at home. So we were happy yeah. to come home a day early. And yeah. Yeah. And the speed of the process, I mean, I think that we were very fortunate. I think that, you know, the acupuncture, the castor oil, the vegan diet. Yeah, everything this, just, everything um, just came together. As I guess, you know, everything does come together for, for everyone, but when you don't know how it's going to come yeah. together for you, yeah. um, it can being at least, you know, for me, it was anxiety inducing. And, and now I can kind of look back and everything worked out really quite perfectly. Yeah, and now yeah. we have. He's, really he slid out effortlessly. <laughs> like it was I really, don't know about like, that. Well, Easy for you to say. <laughs> from the last push, it was like one second and he was out. Less than a second and he, he slept out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once his head came out. Yeah. Once his head came out. <laughs> Slipped out. Yeah. And had they told you what his station was in labor at all? They just said, no, they didn't, right? They just said that, you know, he had descended. Yeah, yeah they often don't mention that as much as the dilation. I was just curious because it sounded like he must have been very low for the pushing stage to be that fast and efficient. Yeah. Not to rob you of any credit. It was, yeah, it was at least half him. Like he was ready at that point. Yeah. And I do really think, you know, I know there's not a lot of research about this, but I do think that the acupuncture helped a lot. Um, and I also think that the midwives brew helped. I mean, I guess people could be listening to this and say, well, it just must've been the timing, right? Which maybe it was, but, um, it's very suspicious that I finished drinking that at, you know, in the afternoon on Monday and then basically 24 hours later he was born. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I really believe those things are likely to have helped. And I think, yeah, also just, just made the, the process easier than it might have been without them too, right? Maybe it helped it happen when it did, but also made it smoother than it would have been. So, yeah. I'm curious, um, would you like to share any about your, once you came home from the hospital, two questions, what have pediatrician visits looked like for people who are listening and are giving birth around this time, as well as have you had like virtual follow-ups with your doulas? Yes. Um, okay. So for us, the, the pediatrician that we chose um, did not come to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we um, set up our first pediatrician visit for that Friday. So he was born on a Tuesday. We came home from the hospital on Wednesday, kind of took Thursday to chill out. And then Friday was the first day that we went to the pediatrician. Um, And um, so we've gone three or four four times. times. And it's, it's gone progressively more. um, 
like the first time we went, it was kind of like a typical doctor's waiting room. There were other people there, but yeah. So and the pediatrician, you know, this, I believe that they've always had, they have, you know, the, the waiting room is segregated so that there's, um, you know, the sick waiting area and then the well waiting area. Um, so the first time we went, there were people in both areas yeah. and it was just kind of a, a typical um, situation. Although the people working there were wearing masks. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess we were wearing yeah. masks too. And you were, you were required to wash your hands. Yeah. Th- yeah. When they called you in, they would say, okay, go wash your hands for 20 seconds and now you can come into the room. Um, but it's, you know, so it's only been two weeks and that has progressed quite a bit. So now the pediatrician is, um, first of all, they're only doing, um, well visits at certain times and then they're doing six visits at other times. Um, and then they've even started spacing out patients so that, um, you know, they're, they're disinfecting everything and, and the waiting area between the, the sick and the well, but also between patients, I believe. Yeah. So like the last time we went, which was Friday. Yeah. So two days ago, they started uh, spacing visits so that the, um, patients were not seeing each other. So when we were called in for our appointment on Friday, um, then they let the next family come into the waiting room and they wouldn't allow them into the office at all before we had progressed through the waiting room into, you know, the, the exam room. Um, so that has changed, you know, even in just the past two weeks. So, um, it, but it, it feels, good that they're that they're doing that right in some sense you know i guess for some people it could be kind of alarming but for me it's reassuring um you know it's a little bit scary right now just to to leave the house for ourselves but much more so with the baby um so it's it's nice to know that they're you know taking those precautions so um that felt good and then we did also have a follow-up with the doulas so um, the original contract that we had with them was that they would, um, you know, come to our house two times for postpartum follow-up visits, which of course, um, you know, wasn't possible now. So we did, um, another zoom meeting with them and, um, that felt, you know, of course it would have been nicer to have them here in person, but it it still felt really nice and and kind of celebratory to do that because we had had this, you know, sort of months long uh, relationship with them where we were gearing up for the the birth. And so it was really nice to then have that meeting where, you know, they they met the baby over, over zoom and we just kind of um, debriefed about everything. And, you know, I, I asked them some questions just about my own, um, postpartum care and, and they gave some advice about that but it it kind of felt like a little bit of a party um, yeah you know a celebratory party just getting to meet with them over zoom well is there anything you haven't gotten to share that you would like to share or do you have any uh, reflections or tips for expectant parents I mean I guess my tip is uh, you know, just, it's, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Um, You know, like, I I think that, you know, everybody's um, birth story, of course, is different, and and people have different values and um, different uh, hopes for what will happen with their birth story. And, um, you know, I feel really lucky with the way that things turned out for us and and happy about what happened. Um, 
but it still was not, um, you know, if, if it were possible to order your birth exactly to your specifications, um, you know, we, we didn't get that. We didn't get exactly what we hoped for, mm -hmm. but, um, we did have a yeah. good experience and the end result is that we have yeah. a baby. So that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. And so just, you know, every, everything will be okay. It won't necessarily be what you expect, yeah. but, um, you know. And just having, I think having knowledge will empower you and make you feel like you have some uh, agency over what's going to happen, which is, I think, um, always going to be, you know, validating and um, yeah, I mean, emotion, there's emotionally important. Yeah, there's so much that you can't yeah. control about it. But I think the thing that you can control is just um, seeking out resources and, and people that will support you and, and make you feel at least empowered in the decisions that you are able to make and the things that you are able to control. So, yeah, so um, the three things that really made a difference for me and for us, I think, were hiring the doulas going to Lisa's birth class because both of those things just gave us knowledge and information, but also pointed us toward resources where if there was something that we wanted more information or we wanted to explore more, we could. So those two things. And then the third thing was the acupuncture um, because for me, it, it felt like I was doing something to try as much as possible to make labor happen sooner, but also um, just the experience of going to acupuncture was um, really uh, kind of a, a mindful thing to be able to do and, and gave me just a, a space where um, I was able to kind of like reflect and prepare mentally and emotionally. So um, if you're listening to this and you've never had acupuncture, um, what happens is, uh, you know, the, the doctor will talk with you and, and um, you know, sort of monitor you. They, they check your, your heart rate and your blood pressure and everything and make sure that you're okay for the acupuncture. And then um, they, you, you lie down on a bed in a very warm room and they put needles at, at certain points into, into your body. Um, and that can be a little bit painful. Um, but then once the, the needles are in place, um, it's actually very relaxing. And so you just sort of lie on a, on a bed, um, with a heat lamp over you, um, in a quiet, room by yourself for um anywhere from half an hour to you know i guess longer um for me the longest i ever did it was 45 minutes but you know that that was a time when i was just in a in a dark quiet room and all i could do was sort of lie there and be still and you know kind of think about the the labor and the birth that that i knew i was waiting for and so i would try to you know um communicate with the baby when he was still inside me and and just you know, use that, that time to um, just reflect and try to prepare mentally and emotionally. And, and that was really valuable for me too. 
Thank you so much for sharing that. That really resonates for me because I, whenever I've gone for acupuncture or to the chiropractor and, and I'm just lying on the table, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm at a spa. This is so great to get me to stop doing, 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 and to just, like you said, be mindful. And I love what you said about using that time to communicate with the baby. That's lovely. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, I so appreciate, especially so soon after birth, your, your willingness to come on and share your birth story. It's going to be really valuable for the listeners, and I'm going to try to air it as soon as possible. It's nice to share it and sort of you know debrief again um, by, by telling the story. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks again, and I hope to uh, see you before long. Be yeah. well. Thanks, you okay. too. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. So that's Jackie's and Michael's story of their son's birth. I'll talk a bit about this in next week's episode, but you can see that the support Jackie and Michael received from their doulas was invaluable, even when the actual labor support was virtual. Before we go, please remember, as Jackie said, it will all be okay. And another thing that another one of my students said, it's not a great time for a pandemic. It is a great time for a baby. Thanks so much for listening to the Birth Matters podcast. Until next week, please stay safe, wash your hands, and be gentle with yourself.